does what is right. Lift the load that I carry. Be kind to me and hear my prayer. The Father has loved us so much. He loved us so much that we are called children of God. And we were, we really are his children. But the people in this world do not understand what we are. everybody's here today. So we heard from um, Xander this morning and he talked about um, people not knowing God. You remember, I know Riley and Brady and Ellie, you guys weren't able to come yesterday, but we talked about these readings and do you remember at what we talked about there when we said that? That some people um, aren't lucky enough to even have a local church or something like that. Okay, we said, yeah, we said they, that they didn't even know about God. They didn't know who God was. They didn't even know that he existed. Sandra? Well, they thought he was killed, but for some reason he just, like, poof, came back to life. 
Right. Well, we said that that was amazing, wasn't it? We said that was just so amazing. And in the storybook, he just walked through right through the wall. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that, we said that was so amazing. We just, it's hard to believe that, isn't it, that that happened. And what is, what, remember we talked about the word um, rescue? And what did we say that meant, that when you rescue something? We said Jesus was a rescuer, and we talked about what that meant. Um, basically, he is in people and that's how we rescue people but it's actually him rescuing people that's right you shared stories about uh, what was it that you did emily that you said you rescued something um me and my family um every time we see a cat or a dog we see if we know who the owner is or we just say shoe to get away from the bunnies because if the dogs and cats get the bunnies they could get killed. That's right. We said it really wasn't you doing that. That's where we talked about that was Jesus in you, yeah. And Xander, you gave us an example of your cousin rescuing something. Can you tell us, can you tell what that is? Do you remember? Well, um, his baby brother was just looking at the TV and started tipping over. So Tristan dug down, swaved him from that TV and just fell down. So he rescued him, but it what, who was really rescuing him, did we say? Who was in him that rescued, really? Jesus. That's right. That's what we said. So all those things that we do that are good things, we said it's really because Jesus was in us. Okay? You want to say something, Ellen? Um, when you die, you go to heaven and... And when you come back, you can walk through a wall. <laughs> That's what Jesus did, didn't he? Yeah, that was just amazing. Well, one of the things God wants us to do is to share his love and his mercy and his forgiveness with others. And I want to show you something. I'm going to give you one of these to take home today. But I want to show you how this is called... Um, when I was young, we used to play with these a lot, and they're called a magic slate. And at the top of this, Riley, can you read what it says? Helix. Yeah, and I'm going to show you how this works. So if we do something that's bad or that's naughty, so what's that called when you do something bad or naughty? Right, so I'm going to write the word sin on it. Because that means that we did something that was bad and naughty. But you know what? Jesus came and he died for us. So that what? Sin was gone. Sin was gone. Okay, look at that. Sin is all gone. 
How terrifying this could be for the disciples to see their leader, their teacher, the one whom they loved, murdered and then alive again. And so to prove that he's not a ghost, Jesus first shows his disciples his hands and feet. In a commentary on this, the question was brought up, what exactly do the disciples see when they look at Jesus' hands and feet? The Gospel of John tells us that there are wounds that Thomas can touch, but Luke is more vague. My personal belief, I don't think that the violence against Jesus on the cross is fully healed or disappeared or gone. I don't think his skin is left unblemished, unscarred by his saving work. I think that part of the salvation Jesus brings us is forever marked by the cross. And so I think Jesus shows them the wounds from the nails, and maybe those wounds are more like scars. But Jesus shows them the marks left on him by his death so that they might see that it is him, that these marks are part of Jesus, part of who he is to them and to the world. But that's not enough. Maybe the disciples still doubted their eyes when they see these marks on Jesus, and so then, in order to try and prove his unghostliness, Jesus tells the disciples to touch him. And the actual word in Greek means something along the lines of to feel about like a person in the dark or who is blind. Now imagine Jesus saying, touch me, investigate me, feel me, know me. To touch and to see, to have their eyes opened by their hands. For the disciples' hands don't pass through Jesus. He's solid. He's real. And they still can't believe it. And so finally, the last resort to prove to them that this scarred, touchable body in front of the disciples is in fact the living Jesus, Jesus asks them for food. Because, you know, conquering sin and death and coming back to life is hungry-making work. I wonder if part of my love for this story is that Jesus is hungry, which is so human and so alive and something I relate to so well. But it's also, if you didn't know this, an obvious fact that ghosts do not eat food. Everyone knows this, apparently, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And even in our world today, when we think of ghosts, we don't think of them eating food, at least not productively. Whenever I think about what the disciples must have been waiting for as they watched Jesus eat, I think of the Ghostbusters movies. Do you remember Slimer, the green ghost who was always eating and causing mischief through the movies? Every time he ate food, the food would go right through him, literally, and land on the characters, on the ground, on cars, and everywhere, usually with a bunch of slime, hence his name. I wonder if the disciples were watching Jesus eat, very seriously wondering if they should be sweeping the floor beneath him. But that's where our reading ends for today. Jesus ate, the disciples watched, the gospel of our Lord. I love this story because in all the fear and terror and disbelief of the disciples, there is a joy, a humor, a reality in this resurrection. And I love this reading because this resurrection is not just Jesus' spirit or a ghost, but this is a bodily resurrection. This is Jesus' body, his wounds, his scars, all of it. A little worse for the wear, but fully alive, fully in his body. 
I love this bodily resurrection that Jesus gives us because we need it, because I need it. We can get so caught up in spirit, in the mystery, and the mystical. We'll wonder at the places Jesus might be preparing for us, but we tend to forget about the body. Our verses from 1 John reminds us we have not yet been shown what will be in the future, but we know that Christ comes again, we will be like him. And like him, a bodily resurrection is one with bodies that need food, that need touch, and that might hold our wounds and our scars. And maybe that's why we don't talk about it very much, because our bodies are not something that we love. That might leave us feeling a little fearful, feeling a little terrified at the bodily resurrection. That these bodies that we don't often love, that break their promises to us to sustain us, that these bodies are part of the promise made to us in Jesus. That God sees your body, wounds, scars, all of it, and calls you children of God. That Jesus takes his body to the cross to be marked by the fear and terror of sin and death, to be marked by the saving grace that Jesus brings each and every one of us into the entire world. This love, this forgiveness, this hope, in a new life, this startling and surprising grace, this resurrection is more than anyone could have imagined. This is no ghost in front of the disciples, but a living body, the living body of Christ. And we too, gathered in this place, are part of this promise. We too are saved by the amazing grace of our Lord. We are called children of God and promised love even when we feel we don't deserve it even when we are struggling to love ourselves or our bodies, because God's love for us never runs out. How could this story not be my favorite? It's the gospel I most need to hear. Amen. It's the good news of this love for us that calls us here gathered the body of Christ in the world. As members and participants in Christ's church, you, we, are the hands and feet of Jesus and today on Member Sunday, as we welcome new members, we celebrate our family here at Bethany, we celebrate our calling as children of God together, as part of this living body of Christ together, as Jesus' hands and feet together. And maybe like Jesus' hands, you have some wounds. Maybe like Jesus' feet, you have some scars to show. But just like Jesus, you, we are alive. We are made alive in Jesus, and we are called to go out as these marked hands and feet to share the love and mercy, the joy and hope given to us in our risen Lord. Who doesn't love a redemption story? Who doesn't love the impossible? And Jesus redeems us and does the impossible through us. We, dear children of God, are loved, are forgiven, and are the living body of Christ in this world. Let's share this amazing, impossible love with the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.